Hello and welcome to Rooted by the River podcast, the official podcast of First Baptist Church, Savannah, Tennessee. We're so delighted that you have decided to join us today on this fantastic Wednesday. It is uh, a cold Wednesday up here in the meeting room, and uh, that is okay. And I am joined by my distinguished co-host, uh, avid fisherman, one who... Anything else? Nothing? Fishing, that's about it. Fishing, that's it? That's okay, good it. stuff. Dr. Andrew Bosack, what's up, man? Oh, man, just uh, up here and excited about the podcast uh, recording and hanging out here. Yeah, in this chilly room, we uh, cooled it down a little bit more than normal to keep our VBS decorations up. We find that as the temperature rises, the decorations come down. So a little bit chillier up here. So uh, good uh, good podcast climate, I guess. Keep us sharp, ready to roll. Glad to be here with you, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. We're just uh, rolling through the week. It is already midweek. And uh, man, it just feels like you go in on a Monday, it's kind of just... Hey, I got to get acclimated, you know, just came off of a Sunday, got to get my wits about me. This week is going to be really long. And then inevitably you blink and it's Wednesday. Time flies when you're having fun, I guess, in here, serving the Lord, in the office, working, meeting, planning, praying, eating. Celebratory uh, lunch. Celebratory eating, man. We're good at that. But yeah, man, it's been a good week, been productive. Uh, Our summer is, man, in full swing, a lot of stuff going on to include VBS, upcoming different events. So we've been meeting, talking about those, uh, planning, uh, praying through them as best we can, staying busy for sure. No doubt, no doubt. A couple of things that are upcoming. Two big things we want to highlight. The first one is... uh, the VBS celebration, and that's going to be next Wednesday at the park. Anything you want to tell the listeners? Yeah, I believe the date is June 28th, and we're going to gather at the park 6 o'clock and just going to hang out, have fun, celebrate a good week at VBS. All youth and uh, volunteers and kids who attended VBS are welcome. We're also going to invite whoever else wants to come out from the church. Essentially, we're going to be doing church in the park, fellowshipping, eating pizza, hanging out together, and uh, upholding that unity that we kind of discussed last week a little bit. So excited about that. VBS celebration in the the park, June 28th, 6 o'clock, Tennessee Street. If you are able to make it. If you are listening out of state, perhaps it'd be worth the trip. You're welcome to join us as well. Fellowship and pizza, what a combination right there. The other thing is our annual Celebrate Freedom Picnic. That is Sunday night, July 2nd at 6 o'clock. We're going to have games. We're going to have prizes. We're going to have food. We're going to have fireworks. Anything else I'm missing out? Man, we're going to have a great time that night. We're going to have the water inflatables for the kids. We're going to have a cornhole tournament. We're going to try to get a pickleball tournament up and going. We recently put together a pickleball court here. We are going to have our regional hot dogs. And uh, if you're not familiar with that, different regions of the country, different cities have their toppings, special toppings that 
They put on hot dogs. My favorite is the Tucson Sonoran dog with the Chipotle Tabasco and bacon. What about you, man? You Any particular regional hot dogs come to mind that you enjoy the most? Whichever one has the fake nacho cheese and bacon on it is superb. Yeah, that cheese has a plasticky element to it, but it's so processed. Like many of our other fast food, it's so processed that it's good. So, yeah, we're looking forward to the regional hot dogs that night. And the church always just shows out bringing sides and desserts. And we have a great fireworks show. That is a, a big event for us, a, a wonderful opportunity to celebrate our freedom, not just the freedoms that we celebrate and experience and enjoy as citizens of still the greatest country in the world. Certainly we got our problems, but we still live in a wonderful nation. We want to celebrate our freedom as the United States. And then we And I would say, more importantly, certainly want to celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ and our heavenly citizenship. So kind of that dual celebration, and it just so happens that it's your one-year anniversary. So another reason to celebrate one year for you and Becca and Jordy being here at First Baptist Church. So a lot to celebrate that night, a lot to look forward to, a lot going on. And uh, listener, if you're able, I hope you'll make plans to join us that night. Six o'clock, celebrating Freedom Picnic. Man, I'm looking forward to uh, a great time with the Celebrate Freedom Picnic. It's uh, absolutely insane that we have been at the church for almost a year. It's just uh, a great blessing, great honor. And then I believe next week that podcast is going to be, or at least some of it will be devoted to kind of uh, remembering the past year, highlights and certain experiences and that kind of thing. Maybe a couple of questions targeted to how I got here, all that kind of stuff. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. But we are going to transition now to the recap from the sermon from Sunday. Uh, This Sunday was Father's Day, which again, shout out to all the fathers, shout out to our own dads, uh, just giving us a godly example and uh, just training us up well. And they continue to be a godly example, standing up for truth, standing up for righteousness and and such. Uh, Our passage was from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. You talked specifically about Joseph And I wonder if you could give us a little recap, a little insight into what you spoke about on Sunday. Certainly enjoyed preaching on Father's Day and reflecting on Matthew 1. It can be a challenging day to preach. Mother's Day uh, certainly has its challenges, but it's usually a, a sweet reflection. But Father's Day, unfortunately, can be a little bit different. There's a lot of difficulty and a lot of Uh, pain and hardship that a lot of people associate with Father's Day, whether it's just uh, they did not have a great relationship with their father, perhaps they are missing their fathers, or there's some discouraged dads out there and wanted to be sensitive to that. But we covered Matthew 1, 18 through 25, usually a Christmas text, but that text in particular speaking about the birth of Jesus really highlights two fathers, which I think provided an answer to some of the difficulties that Father's Day brings, reflecting on the reality of the Heavenly Father, the first person of the Trinity, but also providing that challenge 
for the dads that were here Sunday in seeking to emulate who God sets forth as a godly dad uh, who would be more of a father figure to Jesus, Joseph himself. God wouldn't have entrusted Joseph with being so close to and involved in Jesus's life unless he was somebody who was equipped for the job. So we reflected on the Heavenly Father's love and care and compassion, how He is a Father to us, and reflected on those truths that I hope were encouraging. Uh, perhaps those that were listening may be struggling, uh, feeling forgotten, feeling neglected, just reminding ourselves of the love of God for us as our Heavenly Father, and then again reflected on some of those attributes that made Joseph a good candidate to be a part of raising Jesus. And we looked at the fact that he was just, he was merciful, and he kept God's word, and he was a, a man who was humble. He heard the teaching of the Lord through that dream, and he didn't push back. He uh, obeyed the Lord when he was given a command. So those are some of the specifics that we reflected on that gave us who are fathers good things to strive for and uh, attributes to aim at is what I called them. And yes, I did bring a gun into the pulpit for an illustration, which I always love the object lessons, and you can really probably only get away with doing that on Father's Day. So triple check the fact that it was unloaded. Practice good gun safety, but uh, use that to illustrate having attributes to aim at and uh, holding up Joseph as a good example of a godly dad to follow. So as a reflection on... Jesus's heavenly father, our heavenly father, and then the father figure, Joseph, and uh, I believe the Lord blessed it. That's great. So uh, there were quite a few questions that came up uh, from this sermon, but we want to hone in specifically on three major ones. The first one, uh, if you could elaborate on the personal fatherly nature of God. The Bible elaborates at length on the relationship that we are to have to the Lord, and it shows us and tells us that we are to see adoption as that kind of welcoming into God's uh, good graces at salvation. So we are adopted into the family of God. We are made co-heirs with Christ. We are called his sons and daughters. So reflecting on his love as a heavenly father, as he provides for us, as he loves us, as he cares for us, I automatically think about the prodigal son and the grace that that father showed to that wayward son as he returned. It shows us the kind of love that God has for us. That's uh, one that comes right to our minds, but two others that I, I, two other ways that I think we can see God's love as he is this personal heavenly father is uh, both through comfort and chastisement. Second Corinthians one, three talks about God as the God of all comfort and 
I know for me as a dad, thinking about the times that my kids have been scared or struggling or discouraged, it is not just the the mother's job to be that comforting force in their children's lives. Now, let's just be real here. Usually the mother is much better at being that comforter, but we still should be that that comforting force as well. And God is that God of all comfort for us, that he uh, comes alongside us in a loving, personal way when we are discouraged, when we're afraid. He is that God of comfort. One that I want to elaborate a little bit more on, though, is the reality of chastisement. And the reason I want to elaborate on it is because the Bible talks about it as one of the ways that we know that we are children of God, that we experience His discipline. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 5, it says this, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. Verse 6, For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. Again, when the Bible refers to believers as sons, it's not some kind of, you know, patriarchal thing, you know, it's just masculine. Well, no, that, that word sons, we are, we have that position in the framework of God's family. So while there are sons and daughters in God's family, both male and female, which, you know, uh, light bulb, there's only two genders. Anyways, we don't gotta, <laughs> we don't gotta go down that rabbit hole. But uh, sons and daughters seen as sons, not not in any weird way, but having that position because in Bible times, the heirs were the sons. So that is the distinguished, favored position within the family. So the daughter, though she's a daughter of God, still holds that esteemed position as a son. So let's not get all crazy when it just says son there. But uh, it says, you don't despise that. Don't, don't be upset about that discipline. Uh, verse 7 says, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If we are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So one of the ways that we know the Bible teaches us that we are children of God is that when we go off the rails, when we step out of God's will, he disciplines us and we know that we are his children through that discipline. Now, loving parents, loving fathers discipline their children. And uh, that is out of love. Those those kids that sometimes are are off the rails and man are just wild. It's it's because uh, they're in a place where they they don't have those guardrails of discipline. Children need that. They need that comfort and safety that discipline brings. It almost seems counterintuitive, and not to get all psychological there on that, but that discipline is important, and that discipline is important for us as children of God. And we know that we are His children when we receive correctives that redirect us back into His will when we deviate. Now, that deviation, that's a long way to describe sin. You know, when we sin, God brings discipline into our lives that lead us back into right relationship with Him. When we sin, the Holy Spirit within us is grieved, and that relationship 
that we have with God the Father is broken. It's hindered. And if God didn't care about us, he'd just leave us there. But because God is a loving Father, he disciplines us, he draws us back to repentance and draws us back into his will. Now, we see different examples uh, in the Bible of what this kind of chastisement, what this kind of discipline is like. We see difficulties in the Bible. Uh, we see an extreme, what I, I think we would say is an extreme consequence with David and his sin, the loss of his son. Uh, often this discipline can be just being in the place of uh, having a loss of joy, uh, being out of fellowship with God. And some of those uh, valleys, as it were, some of those dark days are could be, not all of them, certainly, but as a result of being out of fellowship with God and one of the ways that he is redirecting us back into his will. So when God does that, we sometimes interpret it as, oh, God doesn't love me. No, it's because he loves you that he is disciplining you and bringing you back into his will after you've deviated from it through sin. And it's important for us to recognize that uh, there's a big issue and some some searching of the heart that needs to be done if folks can live, uh, I believe the term is high, wide, and handsome in sin and not be convicted, and there be no chastisement, there be no discipline, there be no consequences, there be no loss of joy. I mean, the Bible teaches pretty clearly that uh, God disciplines his own. So it's, it's maybe a, a bit of a counterintuitive study, but one of the ways God shows us his personal fatherly love is through discipline. That's great. I was really encouraged, uh, especially with the prodigal son, that God's timeline is perfect. And so even if there's not an immediate chastisement, inevitably, if you are a son, daughter, co-heir with Christ, that you will be chastised and God will bring you back. Uh, that's evidence from prodigal son and other places of scripture. The other thing that I really enjoyed about uh, our study uh, about God's fatherly nature, his personal fatherly nature and his attributes is that uh, you can't separate them out uh, into single elements. Uh, I know a lot of theologians talk about the simplicity of God, not that he is simple in any way. He is certainly complex, but the simplicity of God is that all of his, his attributes, all of the elements are uh, inextricably bound to each other. And so you cannot separate them out. So you have to frame those elements, frame those characteristics by using the other characteristics. They all go together. That's why, specifically in Galatians, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, singular. All of those elements ultimately being uh, representatives, examples of Jesus's character and Christ's character and what he desires of us. So excellent job. Really enjoyed the sermon on Sunday. I know others did as well. Uh, very good challenge to me as a father personally that uh, I want to firstly follow Christ. I want to get my uh, example of what a father should look like from God himself that should feed into how I am uh, 
striving to be a father myself. And that takes a lot of reliance upon the Lord and his precepts and his word, but it also takes the element of the will and the practical application, the outflow of those elements that I uh, glean from the father himself. The second question here is, how should God's love frame how earthly fathers love their children? Well, we should strive to be the kind of father that we are shown in the Bible that um, it explains to us and shows us those attributes of God. Now, Philippians 2.5 says, have this mind in you. Speaking of the mind of Christ, now that's in reference directly to his uh, humility, his, his being humble. But I think we can take that and generalize it and say we should we should strive to be Christ-like and to be like the Lord, uh, how he calls us to be in being fathers to our children. So we've touched on a couple of those as we are, are seeking to uh, emulate those who God props up as good and godly fathers, but also how he fathers us himself. So we should show grace to our children like the prodigal son's father did. We should be a comforter like God comforts us. We should discipline our children as the Heavenly Father disciplines us. And we should be, this is not something that the the Father displayed uh, in a sense, but what Christ displays to us as the second person of the Trinity. So we should be humble like Jesus. I'll just go ahead and I've already referenced Philippians 2, but I'll just read it. Philippians 2, 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count it equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. I mean, we think about the reality of the incarnation. We think about God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, stepping down into human form, and not just stepping down, but stepping down into the place, humbling himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, verse 8 says, even death on a cross. So that kind of humility is important for us to have as fathers. And I think that kind of humility leads us to the place where we see our great responsibility as fathers and realizing that we don't have the answers, that we need the Lord's help. Man, I look at my children and I, I say, the Lord has entrusted them to me. I'm tasked with raising them. And I know you can't amen on a podcast, but man, I feel like an idiot sometimes. And all the people listening said, I know you just said that in your cars. Amen to that. But uh, we can struggle, man, with that great responsibility. Well, if we have this weird, proud perspective of self-sufficiency and we look at our children, yeah, we're going to be like, oh, what, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Well, when we have this perspective of humility, having this mind, that same mind to say, I, I need help and I need wisdom. And what does the Bible say? We, we don't have wisdom. Why? Because we don't ask for it. But when we ask for it, he gives it to us liberally. So it helps us to be humble, to uh, have that desire to go to the Lord, to ask for wisdom, to raise our children, to be up to the task. And 
it's one of the ways that uh, we are are able to be the kind of dads God has called us to be by seeking and striving for and receiving the wisdom from on high for a task that is beyond us. So we should seek to be the kind of dads that uh, God has shown us to be gracious, to be comforting, to to show and to have uh, a heart to discipline out of love. And in that reality that we fall short and we don't have the wisdom of God, we should be humble enough to ask him for it. And he provides it for us to, uh, to allow us to be good and effective fathers for his glory and for the good of our families. That's great. I think you sort of answered uh, the last question in a little bit of what you said. Uh, that last question just uh, specifically is how should we respond when we inevitably fall short? There may be some listening that either they recognize that they have fallen short and then want to do something about it, or those that might have grown up kids now, or they look back and they say, well, man, I, I missed the mark. Uh, speak a little bit to it. Uh, how do you respond when you inevitably fall short present and in the past? In the past is certainly a little bit more difficult. And as I I preach and as I look at the crowd and I see older gentlemen who uh, I know have children and uh, they're, they're out of the house and some of them can rejoice in what they would consider a job well done and their, their children are following Christ and they can rejoice in that. I do know there are some that, that uh, can't necessarily celebrate with as full a heart as some others, uh, because perhaps their children are wayward. Uh, I think you recognize that no one is beyond hope, and um, funnel perceived failure into faithfulness in the present tense. Take that past perceived failure and funnel it to faithfulness in the present tense. Pray for your children. If you have something to repent of and to make it right, do it before God and if it's possible before your children. But take now the opportunities to go to the Lord and know that there are no lost causes and that nothing is beyond the grip and the gaze of God that we can Go to him as a sovereign and good Lord, and don't uh, don't live in that discouragement and that defeat. So that that's a bit of a of a further step to take than maybe those who still have children within their direct influence. So if you have children that aren't in your direct influence, and maybe the the enemy uses podcasts and sermon li- sermons like this to remind you of ways that you've dropped the ball in the past. Go to the Lord in that. Don't don't let that discouragement defeat you. Go to the Lord with that. Run to the Lord and, uh, and see uh, His grace is sufficient for you. And also, if you need to make up for lost time, do that. But for dads who, who their children are still within their direct influence, I think that humility is so important for us. But what do we do when we fall short? Well, with... 
the Lord, we repent. And with others that are influenced by whatever specific calls us to fall short, we can't be too proud not to see that repentance fleshed out and play out in direct relationship with our kids. I've said it from the pulpit many times. One of the most humbling things that I've ever had to do is to go to my children and ask them to forgive me. But that has been some of the most powerful and profound moments in relationship with my kids. And I never want to be above that. I want to be that humble. I, I And, you know, those humble is tricky. I, I read it. I think it was Wearsby. Uh, humility is tricky because as soon as you think you are humble, you are no longer humble, right? Hey, I'm so humble, I got this squared away. Well, there it goes. So humility is a tricky one, but I, I want to be humble. I want to have that heart orientation and attitude that when I do fail my kids, when I do drop the ball, when I am overly harsh or when I uh, do fail and falter at discipline, disciplining them, when I'm not as comforting as I should be, when I allow my impatience to come out, uh, I should not be above apologizing to them. And again, I have found that to be such a powerful and profound moment in the life of my kids. And just to be honest, obviously I'm not going to be specific here, but the issues that I've seen in families, particularly in a counseling sessions, uh, they have been just made worse by a father who won't hear, listen, and respond humbly to his own children. And when we are humble, when we do see that we don't have all the answers, and that when we go to our kids in, in, in repentance before them, asking their forgiveness, it creates that, that reestablishment of a relationship and we're going to fall short. That's why I used the gun to illustrate on Sunday that we have attributes to aim at. And humility was one of them res uh, displayed by Joseph that, you know, anybody that shoots a gun, they know. Maybe they hit the target most of the time if they're like you. Maybe they miss most of the time if they're like me, like the skeet shoot. But when we shoot guns, we're not going to hit the target every single time. But that doesn't mean we stop shooting. We strive to be a godly father. And one of the attributes that I see very commonly missed by many men and a lot of fathers is this humility to the place of going to the children and asking forgiveness. And it's so important to, to have that heart orientation, to reestablish that relationship with the kids. What if, what if the heavenly father um, had that kind of, lack of desire to reconcile. And we went to him and we asked him for, for forgiveness. No, I'm not interested in that. Well, that, that'd be difficult for us. Well, perhaps we provide that messaging to our children when we're not interested in reconciliation. And unlike the father, when it's our fault, we should be, again, humble enough to make things right with our own children. So dads out there, you're not perfect. Neither of us are perfect. There's no perfect parent, no perfect dad but strive for godliness. Strive to be the kind of dad that the Bible calls you to be. No matter how old or how wayward your children are, uh, no one's beyond uh, God's grace. So don't give up. Stay at it. Those who have small children, man, stay humble, stay faithful, ask the Lord for wisdom, and, uh, and, and seek His path to be a good and godly father.
Amen. I often quote, and I don't know who said this quote. I'm certain that it's not me who coined this phrase. But you never know, though. You you could be about to quote yourself. (laughs) Quoting Reverend Lashley. Anyways, Reverend, let's go. This quote that has really stuck with me and I've since added to it is, uh, we are to strive for perfection. We are to settle for excellence. And we are to enjoy the process. So we're ultimately striving for Christ-likeness to be like God. Inevitably, we will fail, but by God's grace, we will be excellent, not in our own merit, but because Christ is evident in us. And we're going to enjoy the process of growing in Christ-likeness and being the fathers that God has called us to be. The second thing is uh, the late Timothy Keller Uh, when his son was recounting certain memorable moments in his life, he spoke about a time where his dad lost his temper and uh, spoke to him rather harshly, was uh, in the wrong, and he came back and apologized, humbly asked for forgiveness, and that really stuck with the son. And, And so that's just, to me, another solid example of what should happen when we fall short and what uh, a lasting um, impact it makes upon our children. They want to see and acknowledge that we don't think we're perfect and that we're striving after godliness, and they want to follow us in that godliness. So as we close on this very important podcast about Father's and Father's Day. Uh, is there any closing comments you would like to make, Dr. Bosak? Well, just thinking about the framework that God has set up for families, that He is the one who created the family. He created the, the roles of fathers and mothers and dads out there. Uh, I, I ended the sermon kind of like this, just strive to be the father that God has called you to be. There's certain ways that the world will disciple us and show us what what matters most. And I, I've given this example before. If my son, I love baseball, if my son becomes a Hall of Fame pitcher and I have not provided him every opportunity to follow Christ and yet he's in the Hall of Fame, I have ultimately failed him. What matters most is the path that I provide my children to Christ. I want to make their path as clear as possible. I want to disciple them well. And any anything else, if it's not framed by that love and life committed to Christ, then man, we, we need to maybe re, reorient our hearts and redirect our priorities. So no perfect fathers, but dads, lead your families and lead them to love Jesus and and know that the the Lord is for you, not against you. And what He's called you to do is a important, eternally significant task. So take it upon yourself for the glory of God to follow the path He has set before you, and uh, know that His grace and strength is sufficient. Amen. 
This has been Rooted by the River podcast, the official podcast of First Baptist Church, Savannah, Tennessee. There's a couple of ways that you can listen, a couple different platforms that we are on. The first one is Spotify. We're also on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I've also embedded the Spotify episodes onto the website. Uh, So make sure you go, you take a listen, uh, drop us a review, follow us. Uh, We are greatly approaching um, the question and answer episode. So make sure that you are submitting your questions to us. You can shoot us a, a personal message. You can call the church office. Anything you want to do except for the carrier pigeon and the smoke signal because I don't think we're going to get that on time. This has been Rooted by the River podcast. We hope you have a great day. We will see you next time.